Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the NRL, we do. We're going to talk some NRL today. We're going to talk some Warriors after eight, after eight, aren't we? Yeah, we're talking to Richie Agar today. Um, he's a good bloke, Richie. He's uh, he's very solid in his. Um, I guess what do you call it? Like previews and 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 the way he thinks that games should be played. But also afterwards, he you know I have a chat to him offline and talk about how things going. And he's just so honest. You know, he's, he reminds me like his father. Um, as a coach when I was playing for Castleford was really honest. You know, he used to, you, you'd think you'd go all right and he'd come and sit you down in the change room and he'd give you an absolute tune-up and say, you know, <laughs> keep your feet on the ground, you're not going that well, there's these things in your game that you need to sort out. I'll always remember that about Alan, who is Richie's old man, you know, and um, Richie strikes me as the, the same the same type of bloke. And we've talked a number of times about the Warriors and this effort that they've been putting in. Man, the socials have been going crazy about the Warriors. Like, <laughs> you just got to be careful. It's round five, you know, like, especially in-house. I saw one. I saw one. I started to laugh. It was it was a train in a tube station and people pushing people in. You couldn't get in it. And it was a Warriors social, and it said fans trying to get back on the Warriors train. And I was like, God. Don't be yelling that one out yet, you know. Don't be yelling that one out yet. It's round five. Um, but I reckon in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to start making some calls. I reckon after this weekend, uh, we're going to start making some calls on the shape of the season because I think last weekend uh, we're starting to get a good look at what it actually looks like. And after this weekend, I've had a look at the the schedule. I think you can start now saying, right, well, these look like the teams that will probably be making the eight and these look like the teams that are going to be struggling for the rest of the year. Keeping your feet on the ground is so hard. It is like you have to super glue yourself to the ground if you want to do it. It's so hard. It's so hard not to get swept up in it, Kempi. We'll talk to Richie after eight. After seven, we'll do some Premier League with Luke Thrower. He's a reporter out of London because the London teams, while turbulence would be uh, kind, it would be a kind way to describe it. George Chittick, son of Mark, grandson of Gary. Well, he Good was bike. at Royal Randwick. Yeah, he's a ripper. He's a ripper, young George. And Good young he was at. He was at... Um, Randwick accepting the TJ Smith trophy for I Wish I Would in the Weekend, so we'll catch up with him. Kempi, um, and, and this UFC-WWE situation, we're going to talk about that in just a bit, but is, oh, I'm curious because the Warriors thing, as you said, the social media, they and we've said this before, they're the sleeping giant of New Zealand sport. If the Warriors started, if the Warriors actually were contending for a title, we would forget a Rugby World Cup, like forget anything else. 
there'd be nothing like it. Can you feel the ground swell in, in week five? Like, can you actually feel it? Because I can down here. People are talking about it in the supermarket again. People are genuinely talking about the Warriors, like on the street. They want to talk to you about the Warriors. It's it's like a movement. It is It is like a movement. It's like a slow-moving steam train that, you know, if it gets its speed up, it becomes you know, an electric train and then one of those Japanese speed trains if they're going to the finals, you know, and everyone's trying to... I, look, I totally agree that everyone jumps back on board. It's not more or less that they jump on board. It's like they they know and want um, success for the club. So they know it. They know what it looks like. And, of course, they don't get it that often. They want as much of they as much of it as possible, but it's so far between. It's like, it's like getting, you know, a nice bottle of red wine and you go... Actually, I'm not going to get another one of those for a while. I'm going to put that over there, and I know what it really tastes like. But I'm going to go and get it. Oh, maybe next year or the year. Up, you know what I mean? And and what's happening at the moment? Like, I'll give you an example. A mate of mine. Okay, so a mate of mine. He's a mate of my nephews. They grew up. They grew up. They were kids. They grew up with me. He used to play footy in the backyard, and used to. I used to tell him up. You know the no mercy rule. His name's Philip Yarrow. They own Yarrow's Bakery down in Taranaki. Philip's the CEO. All right, so he's 38 now, Phil, and um, I see I saw a photo on social yesterday of his baby, and it's cooing into the in the cot, and he's going, "Oh, the feeling of a Warriors win." Well, Yarrow's a rugby through and through. It's Yarrow Stadium in Taranaki. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Yarrow's across the Bumblebee yeah. jersey down at the the cow the Calton. You know what I mean? So I just had to have a laugh. And I was just about to text him, and he'll be listening, and I know you're listening, Phil. I was just about to text him saying, come on, mate, don't forget, you're Yarrow's rugby man, not the Warriors. Just so the Warriors are listening, there's a sponsor, go and chase him. Um, but it is, like, the Warriors are so, they're, they're in the hearts of every sporting person. Like, some, some of the sporting people. Like some of their oh. socials, it's, it's just like, man, everyone is just grabbing at that. Oh, I can feel it again, you know? So good on them. It's like a dormant volcano. And it's just been bubbling and it's been suppressed. And a lot of these fans have been fans previously. Like a lot of the fans, especially my dad's generation, like my dad was in love with the Ando Kempi teams, you know? Like, that, that, you know, that, that era of fan. And then slowly, maybe they've lost interest. And this, this is—we got to talk about. We're not talking about the die-hard Warriors fans here. We're talking about the transient sports fans that support, you know, New Zealand teams when they're succe- having success. And I hate it when people kind of say, "Oh, if you're not a die-hard, don't bother," because that's actually—that's—that's that's not the bulk of sports fans. Ninety-five percent of sports fans are transient. They come and they go, and they support when it's the times are good, and then they kind of they watch from the outside of the window when times aren't good, and that's fine. I just think that's the way it is. And right now, the volcano is starting to percolate, it's starting to bubble, and coming to the surface are these fans coming out of the woodwork, <laughs> and they're stopping you in the supermarket. It's so good. And there's and of course there's more and more of them these days. The younger people these days they are so transient. You know they'll jump out of the UFC into the rugby league, back into the soccer. You know, then the boxing comes on. Then they'll go on, uh, you know, just watching people. TikTok. Pl- oh, mate, they'll just be watching people playing Space Invaders. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? So it's a, yep. yeah, it is a, look, it's a wonderful um, time to be a Warriors fan and a, transi- and a transient Warriors fan at the moment. No, nothing is better in this country than the Warriors on a roll. I guarantee it. Because yeah, you have a, such a short window for the All Blacks. 
You know, the All Blacks have a short window of international football and the country goes absolutely crazy, but that's a short window. This is the year. If they go on a roll through the year, Monday morning for a Warriors fan, if you're even a transient fan, oh, it's so good. It is so good. And don't underestimate the amount of uh, overable fans that were left on the table bungees on rugby over the last wee while. Because there is a whole lot, it's a whole group of people that have been disenfranchised by rugby union, whether it's rules, whether whether it's this, the governing body's performance, whether it was this coaching saga, whether it was the team's performance. And if, uh, you know, Kiwis are patriotic. If the uh, best league team can be succeeding consistently, oh, watch it swell. This is going to be such a fun time. Well, even Ian Stockley-Smith, he's converted. You know, he's, he's, he? he's written a sermon on it. He loves watching <laughs> rugby league, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, yes, you're right around conversion. Um, at the moment, I think the Warriors are on the back of that. Um, one New Zealand announced this big um, black spot, never again thing. And, like, mate, driving to Taranaki, I don't know what it's like for you driving down to Christchurch, but you drive to Taranaki from Auckland, you got no phone coverage. And the timing for one New Zealand, one Warriors, all that one let's get together. I asked Cam George that question, what does one mean? Now, I think at the moment what we're seeing is a team becoming one and one with the country, you know what I mean? The transient fans, the fans, everything you're talking about, geez, it works well. Look at all the brands coming out. Let's Love get some it. T-shirts going. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Watching the Warriors win can be one of the most enjoyable things in life. As you will have seen in the in the socials and in the media this week, it can often be the one thing that gets the whole country up and in their happy place come Monday morning. Yes, just like Louis there eating his cereal. With this in mind, I can't remember how many times I've been asked if a second NRL team in New Zealand would work. We've certainly discussed it here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast many times. Each time, I've given a def- definitive yes, absolutely, as my answer to that question. So here's just three simple reasons why I did that. Every club in the NRL, for one, pillages talent here in New Zealand. In fact, over 500 kids every year head over to Australia to hopefully one day don an NRL jersey. Yep, that's 500 plus kids. So I'm guessing that answers the question of where would we find all the new talent. Number two, if the Super Rugby can support five super teams, then surely... Surely two NRL teams are walking the park. It's that simple. And three, now the third factor is where New Zealand should get this new licence. To be honest, Christchurch, Wellington or Auckland would make great homes for another NRL franchise. Christchurch new stadium makes sense, but it would also help Auckland get its proposed new waterfront stadium off the ground. Imagine if a brand new state-of-the-art NRL team home was part of the bid for a new licence. We all know Auckland could do with a stadium like Christchurch in the CBD. And as for Wellington, the Caketon as a home is centrally located and would work an absolute treat. So given all the talk about another three licences being considered for the NRL, New Zealand has to be at least one of those options. Why wouldn't we? The question is who will it be and where will this new franchise call home? Will it be the Southern Bears? Come on, they got that stadium, love it. Or how about the Capital Orcas out of Wellington? But what about this one? The Auckland Cruisers. 
based in the CBD. Could go on for hours. Who you got? Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Well, if I had to frame a market, Kempe, I would put the Southern Bears as a favourite at a dollar fifty-seven. I would put the Auckland Cruisers at two dollars fifty, and then the Wellington Orcas at three dollars eighty. That's that would be my um, order. And apologies to Dunedin and Taranaki and New Plymouth, uh, well, and uh, Hastings and other parts of the cup. But I think the Southern Bears makes perfect sense for everything you point out. And I think Auckland makes more sense than people will probably give it credit to as well. Because if you look at the player pool, I think that's huge. And and the amount of people that young um, Polynesian and and Māori kids that would love to stay in Auckland and be around their whānau makes perfect sense. And I think that there's totally room for that. Tying it to the waterfront stadium is an extremely dangerous proposition because, as you know, bureaucracy can slow down the best of ideas. What what timeline are we thinking here? When do you think they'll have another club in the NRL? I reckon within three years. Okay. Yeah, I reckon within three years. I reckon the bids will start coming in within three years. So um, it's a a timing thing. It it has to go to a centre. You you know what I mean? It can... I do. It can be a great one for Christchurch with the stadium being built. Like I was down there to only t- t- two, three weeks ago. The, 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 um, the experience that we had with the with the sailing and uh, sitting right outside that bill, mate. What a what a position. You know what I mean? Centralised right in town. It goes with the new build, the new Melbourne of New Zealand. I, I put it. Um, and you're dead right. Auckland, Auckland could home a second team without without a question. Fifty one percent of talent actually um, resides here in New Zealand. Most of those 500 kids come out of Auckland. Um, and as we know, the talent pool here in New Zealand this is why the other 16 franchises come through here and take most of our talent. And Wellington have had a bid before. You know, they they have actually had a bid before, and um, everyone knows centra- centrally located throughout the country wouldn't be a bad spot to put it because they cover everyone else off from the South Island and the North Island if you were to go there uh, as a game. Yep, 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 yep. The Wellington, obviously the Phoenix have done a, a good job in Wellington and making that their home, and, and we're going to get another A-League team in Auckland by the looks of it as well, which is only a good thing. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly trying not to be biased, but I do think Canterbury or Christchurch is the logical fit. I just think the timeline of that stadium, I think population size, and I think if you look at also... The, well, the region's success they've had with sporting codes being able to bring people around from different parts of the country. Yes, you'll call it poaching. I'll call it giving opportunity. And then, you know, build, um, well, I guess, generational success with the Crusaders. There's a carbon copy there. It's a different sport entirely. It'll be run by completely different people, you'd assume. But, you know, there's a there's a uh, area there that you could tie up a brotherhood, a sisterhood, you know, like a, another franchise that has that kind of share that, share that IP. I know that's something that you would highly encourage, Kempe, and I think it makes perfect sense. And it does, and I'll just I'll wrap it up just with one more um, point, to, point um, to add to it. If Queensland could have two or three franchises, because you've got to throw North Queensland in there, um, Sydney's mm. got numerous ones, and then New Zealand becomes a third state of the NRL, which they do because they 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 pillage five hundred kids of the year. Why can't we have two licenses in New Zealand? You know what I mean? It just makes too too much sense. And they're talking all these pathways. Well, New South Wales Queensland Cup, they actually get that because they've got NRL franchises in their backyard. Give us another NRL franchise. Give us another New Zealand Cup that develops those five hundred kids here in New Zealand. That's 
why you would do it so that our kids stay home. It's equitable. And the trickle-down effect to the grassroots, well, unless they completely botched it. I actually think it, it strengthened. I actually think, think it, you know, that question about the Warriors, because you have the Warriors say, no, wait, let's get the Warriors right. I, I just don't buy into that one. I actually think it strengthens the Warriors. I tend to agree. If you take the holistic approach, that it would strengthen rugby league in the country. I, I, I tend I tend to agree, Kimpy. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought. Uh, Twenty nine minutes away from eight. Where would it be? Second franchise in New Zealand. Where's the favourite? Come on, double eight, double three. I know you love this topic. Where should it be? And make the case for it. Is that a health news for Kubota? Together with shaping and building New Zealand headlines. After that, then Kevin Ioli out of Yahoo Sports talking WWE and UFC merger. Kevin's just written a column on it for you, uh, Yahoo. He's a very up to date fight journalist, so he's going to join us and chat all things about that after this. We'll get back to your feedback on another NRL franchise before the end of the hour, but we cannot ignore this story. It is a behemoth. $21 billion valuation, that's USD, for a company that is going to merge the WWE and the UFC. Yes, Endeavor announced the UFC and WWE are forming a partnership, a new business that's going to take over the fight and entertainment space. Kevin Ioli is a fantastic fight sports journalist at Yahoo Sports. Kevin, thank you so much for taking our call. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, we love chatting to you, and, and this is about as big as a story as we could imagine. This is a whopping valuation. How did it come yeah. about? How long have you known about it, and, and what's the reaction been? Well, you know, the um, Endeavor had an earnings call in uh, for the first quarter in February, the end of February, and Ari Emanuel, who is uh, the CEO of Endeavor, was specifically asked on that earnings call about purchasing the WWE, and he said, you know, we love the WWE with their business, what they've done, but uh, we are not looking to take on any more debt. Um, Nick Khan, the WWE CEO, uh leading up to WrestleMania, which was over the weekend in L.A., it made no secret about he was looking for a buyer and was going out. So it wasn't a shock that we heard the news today that the WWE was being acquired. But I guess the shock was that Endeavor was involved, like the fact that we had asked Ari uh, back in February and he said they weren't looking to take on more debt. But when you look at it closely, it makes so, too much sense for them not to do it. Kevin, how big a part did uh, Vince McMahon play in this coming back? I I don't think that he played a, a very specific role, other than he had relationships, right? There's a lot of close relationships here. Nick Khan used to be uh, an agent, and uh, the first person that uh, returned his call from a major agency was Mark Shapiro, who's the president of... Uh, of Endeavor. Uh, Nick Khan and Ari Emanuel have been friends forever. Uh, uh, Nick Khan, and, I mean, Vince McMahon and Ari Emanuel have been friends forever. Nick Khan and Dana White have been friends for a long time. So there were a lot of long established relationships here. And I think that that's why this worked. Like, I don't think Vince was specifically involved in the negotiations. That was a Nick Khan deal. Nick Khan pretty much, you know, worked this deal out, I believe. But I think that what happened was Nick coming back our Vince, excuse me, Vince coming back uh, to the WWE after he stepped away for a while gave that big towering presence. And you might have noticed that Dana White called him a savage and the way he does business. And, you know, Vince is to the WWE what Dana White is to the UFC. Mm. So it was very important for them to have Vince as part of this and, and have him, uh, you know, overseeing, uh, you know, the WWE side of things. What, ultimately, Kevin, what makes 
each of these so profitable and why amalgamating them will make them more profitable? What are their strengths and how will they be supercharged now? Well, they are, you know, especially in the United States, and I, I only know the TV ratings specifically in the United States, but they are arguably the two best products on television in the U.S. F- that attract 18 to 49-year-old people, especially 18 to 49-year-old males. Uh, the WWE right now in 2023 is number one on cable television in the United States in that specific demographic, as well as number one overall. Uh, but number one in that demographic is important. UFC uh, has just been long fantastic in that demo. And their show that they had UFC San Antonio a couple of weeks ago it went opposite the NCAA basketball tournament, and that's almost always a reason to get killed, right? You're not going to do anything. <laughs> and yet UFC came in ca- on cable ratings that day. They came in sixth out of all cable uh, TV shows that day So and in the demo. So it shows how big they, you know, that the two are. And this is going to help them in their negotiations. Nick Khan specifically mentioned to me an example. He said, in India, their TV rights are way lower than what they should be. And he said, now that they've merged with Endeavor, Endeavor has contacts in India. They have great uh, uh, partnerships down there. And now they can leverage those ex- that expertise to negotiate their new deal in India as an example. And I think that's going to happen around the world. So where WWE has expertise, they'll lend it to the UFC. Where UFC and Endeavor have expertise, they'll lend it to WWE. And be, you know that just makes them... In- both of their TV deals are coming up in the in the United States around the same time. UFC is going to be early 2025. WWE is, I think, it's October of 24. So they're going to be negotiating at the same time. And imagine if you go to the table and you can say to the bidders, and you you know you can figure who the bidders are going to be. Uh, hey, look, we have both of these powerhouses that are huge with the demo that you're trying to reach it just gives them so much more leverage it, it just makes a lot of sense from that standpoint yeah and that, that was a question i was going to ask was that with all the media rights that are coming up in a couple of years um kevin you've got like any have you got any idea of what that media right deal would be worth i, I know that the ufc um deal with espn was massive but if you're talking uh like ipl Indian Indian League type type figures with the right. with the Indian media rights coming in. What, where what south of what figure are we talking? Well, when you add it, I can't even come up with a number globally because uh, the WWE is in 170 countries around the world. The UFC is in slightly more than that. So now, as they go around the world, they're you know when you add up the entire media rights of everything that they're doing, it's going to be a staggering figure just out of North America alone. And then you start adding in the rest of the world, and uh, where aren't these two sports popular? Right. I mean, there, I, I cannot think of any region of the world where these two particular entities are not popular. It's going to be massive. Um, and I think in the United States and probably globally, when you look at this, I think you're going to maybe see them, you know, put it on streaming services to a certain degree and maybe split it up a little bit more than it is now. Like, right, UFC especially has always been with one partner. They had Fox for a while. Now they have ESPN. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they give a little bit to Amazon, maybe some to Google, some to ESPN, but split things up and that they have it all over the place so that they can maximize their rights. You know, I don't know anything in that regard but that just makes a lot of sense right that that they uh that they would do something like that 
Oh, the, stre- the streaming providers will be lining up for a, some sort of a package. Now they can get their hands on both of them. It makes perfect sense. It's very, very good business, and it sounds like it moved at a rapid speed. So, I mean, you've you got to tap your hat to them, really. Hey, uh, before we let you go, Kevin, UFC 287, what's the word on your side, state side? Obviously, we are desperate to see Israel Adesanya get that belt back, but, man, uh, this Pereira guy, he just he has trouble with him. What are you hearing and what are you thinking this far out? Well, I talked to Izzy uh, today, so I talked to him about two hours ago. Um, you know, and I'll tell you what, it was a different Izzy than I've heard. You know, very focused, very intense. I have a great relationship with Izzy, and usually, you know, we laugh, we joke around, we get into a lot of different topics. And today, that wasn't the case. It was about the fight, and he was very focused, very detailed. But, you know, a lot of people like Adesanya in the fight, and I was prepared today. um, I do a betting video every Monday for Yahoo Sports. I was prepared today in that video to take Adesanya to win, but I had not seen the odds. And when we started to record the videos, I I looked at the odds, and I saw that Adesanya was actually the favorite, which I think reflects the fact that he's won the most rounds in the three fights. You know, he he was leading uh, the second fight. He got knocked out. He lost the first fight. A lot of people thought he won that fight. And then the third fight... uh, at UFC 281, he was up three rounds to one and looking good in the fifth until he got caught. So I think that's why the odds. But I said to myself, you know, how do I uh, take Adesanya as a favorite when I can get the champion who's 3-0 against him as an, at an underdog price? So I took Pajeda to win the fight, but I, I think this is a coin toss, and I think Adesanya uh, has just as good a chance of winning as he did going into UFC 281. I think, you know, he's got to avoid mistakes, and, and he's got to figure out a way how he can create offense without uh, getting into the uh, range of Alex Pajeda, who was a massive human being, who is uh, the biggest middleweight I have ever seen in my life. But if he can do that, I think he has the ability to win it. Love it, Kevin. Love it. Great insight as always. We'll let you crack on with your uh, fight week previews, and we'll talk again very soon. That's Kevin Aoli out of Yahoo Sports talking massive business, WWE and UFC merging. Oh, that is the peaky, the top peak of sports business 21 billion usd we'll get to your texts on the new nrl franchise after this and right now the warriors are one team in particular they have a little bit of an injury ward or a couple of players that aren't going to be available so it gets tougher for the warriors who are on an absolute roll we're going to welcome in richie agar now from the coaching staff richie appreciate you taking the call to ecnz on a tuesday morning how are you doing yeah, morning, guys. Yeah, no, all good, thank you. All good. We got back sort of late last night on, uh, on our travels, but, yeah, came back in good spirits, obviously. Richie, morning, mate. It's Kempe here. How's the injuries? you got Tamari, uh, of course, you got Barnett, Tohu, and Dallin still to come back. How are they all travelling? Yeah, good. They're all tracking okay, mate. I think Tohu's the one that uh, will be touching gold. Tamari, uh, he'll be good, mate, from his HIA. Dallin's uh, already, although, obviously, he's not played any... Uh, any football for uh, for five or six weeks, I don't think. Uh, Mitch Barnett, yeah, he'll still be a couple of weeks, mate, we're expecting at this moment in time. So uh, a little bit of good news and a couple that are still, yeah, we're still a little bit unsure this early on in the week, mate. Mate, just watching the game and uh, look, yes. we, there's been everyone's, you know, there's been so much um, praise given to the team, but here's my, here's my take on it. How do you keep their yep. feet on the ground? Because you still leak 30 points. Yeah, that's a great question, mate. And and I think that's really important this week that uh, while we're very happy to come away with, 
with a win and such a dr- dramatic win. Uh, there's some things about the game that obviously we can't walk past. You know, we fought first half uh, to go in with a scoreline as it was. I think with a 14-point deficit, we did really well because our performance in the first half, uh, you know, our, our root control, our edge defence uh, were way off where it had been, and that were a concern to us. I think I think the thing is, Kempi, on that is. Um, We'll leak 32 points. If there's one thing I think we had done well over the previous rounds, we've defended well, mate. So I don't think it's it's something that uh, is major surgery for us and a concern that has been for weeks. But undoubtedly, mate, at the weekend, uh, we got a number of things wrong. Uh, certainly first half, you know, we we talked about our edges, but uh, our rook control, our numbers, our spacings, our decisions on the edge just weren't where, weren't where they've been. So I think there's a fair bit of time invested in ourselves this week just just making sure that fundamentally we get we get better on uh you know on some areas that i will say i think have held up under pressure too pretty well in the early rounds um obviously we can take out of it what we have done all year in that boys had a great spirit never say die attitude and i thought we always felt uh, we always felt pretty threatening with the ball even though we didn't have much of it in the first half we felt that if we could get enough of it in the second half, then you know we felt there would be some areas where we could go and exploit and, and come up with some points. So yeah, we're we're under no illusions, mate. We're not we're not walking away from that thinking um, how good we're going. We know there's some stuff that uh, we were down on that particular day, and we'll need to be much better going forward this week um, in a couple of those areas for sure. Mate, you're, you're nearly half a dozen games into the competition now, coming down from the UK and uh, had a look yeah. at what the NRL produces week in, week out. Have, have, you, have you had a thought, Richie, that there's something up in the UK that you could add down here that isn't happening um, that would enhance the Warriors? Um, yeah, good good question, Kempe. I think one thing we do as a staff every week, mate, we, uh, we sort of have a couple of meetings where we... You know, I guess we brainstorm, we go away and watch watch the games, we come back and, and all throw us ideas uh, in the pot. I think uh, one thing I've noticed is, you know, the, the games, I, I would say, have a tad more structure down here than, um, than what they do in Super League. The games, um, I, I guess with defence, is probably a little bit better and a little bit more organised then. Uh, knowing where you get into with your points is is very very important. Uh, but is is the one particular point that I think you know could change us and, and make us a better team? I think every week mate, it's a combination of, of, of trying to find those little games, and I think they could come in different ways, mate. But I will say this: uh, ultimately, rugby is rugby, and I think. Uh, if you've got all the fundamental parts of the game, uh, then that is very much going to help you get over the line. And I think, I think you know, from what you know, you probably can, mate. We uh, we try to put a lot of time into doing the basics as as well as we possibly can, and doing the exceptional stuff good enough when we get the opportunity to do it. So um, I've not found the differences uh, major, uh, but what I've found is. Uh, Probably the depth of talent there, mate, is is deeper. Uh, I think when you get in England and you have two or three injuries, 
the heat really can affect the team that you put out here. Where I think over here, you know, the, the depth of talent and uh, ability to pull people up and, and go and do a, uh, a good job for you, uh, you know, is definitely stronger. Richie, I was just talking earlier on in the show about um, you know walking off the field, talking about keeping your feet on yep. the ground, and uh, your dad pulling me aside in the change room and giving me an absolute <laughs> godfall after I thought after I thought that I'd bless his soul, after I thought that I went all right. Are you that type of? Did you learn that type of style um, from your father at all, or is, or is your style totally different? Uh, well, if this makes you feel any better, Kempe, I've had a few of those godfalls myself over the years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and not just for rugby league too. Um, so no, no, I think we've different styles, mate. Yeah, no, I think uh, in this day and age, I like to think that empathy and understanding is probably a trait uh, that maybe I didn't inherit from my father. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, probably go about it a slightly different way, mate. We try and do a little bit more on the encouraging side, if you like, and. Uh, you know, for every sort of thing that the guys don't do well, try and find examples of, of things that they do do well too and, and try and encourage them a little bit more. I think times have changed, mate, especially with, uh, you know, the new generations of players, if you like, and how you deal with them. Uh, but I guess, well, I'm very grateful to the old man for, I guess, uh, the the grounding that I had in the game. Uh I think he'd be the first person to say to, you know, we're quite different people and we're working in different areas. Yeah, awesome. Good answer, Richie. Hey, um, catch up with you shortly, mate. Thanks a lot for joining us on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast and uh, all the best against my old team, the Knights, this weekend. Go well. Yeah, good to chat, boys, as always. And thank you very much. Talk to you soon. There you go, Richie Agar. They're talking the Warriors, their win, and uh, Louis keeping your feet on the ground. That's uh, one of the one of the things that I saw on the weekend. The first thing I would have taken was taking that carpet from out from under their feet because they need to get down as quick as possible. Yeah.